Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. It's 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And... uh, Joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is Greg Wyshynski, who stayed up and watched every minute of every NHL game this weekend. He's got a piece up at ESPN.com, which is absolutely fabulous. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, first of all, thanks for joining us. Second of all, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there was only one time during uh, the 10 games. Uh, that I consumed, I think it was probably around the area of like 30 hours of hockey, uh, where my my will was being tested, and it was that Boston-Philly game, uh, which is perhaps the greatest example that the round robin that the uh, Blues are taking part in, although their game was was better. Uh, it's a scrimmage. I mean, it, it, it's a scrimmage is what it is, and uh, compare it to what we saw in the qualification round game, it's a different kind of hockey. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, it was it was it, I was healthy. I got on the peloton a couple times, and uh, and and mostly the the piece I think covers what everybody else saw, which is this hopefully once in a lifetime thing where we have all these games being played in a bubble and and uh, the NHL kind of creating a made-for-TV Stanley Cup tournament for the first time in its history. Greg, we certainly want to talk to you about the Blues and Avalanche last night, but your piece is great, and I love how you provide these binge-life updates about what you're eating, as you mentioned, getting on the Peloton. Um, At one point, I know you had three cups of Ugandan coffee, and that's my question to you because you want to stay caffeinated, but you don't want to peak too much to then crash. So how did you pace that out? (laughs) I think think as a a sports writer, my blood is like 70% coffee uh, at this point. So it really, you know, three cups for, for me is, is probably like a half a cup for someone else. So uh, it was, an, it was a matter of pacing. I, I, you know, in full disclosure, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, we necessarily wanted to, do, to dive all the way into my consumption during all these, this, this hockey. I, I think people, people are going to read this and think I'm a teetotaler, which is not the case. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was certainly a marathon and not a sprint in, in, uh, in everything I put in my body. Obviously we want to talk about the blues, but I want to ask you about the Matthew Kachuk hit on uh, Mark Shifley. What was your take? Uh, my, my take was that it was an accident. I think what the way Kachuk described it, I think that's, uh, that, that's pretty much how it went. Uh, just sort of, he, he's sort of losing his edge a little bit. The, the check is a little bit awkward. Shifley's going down as well. Um, I mean, if you're looking for something in that hit, you might find it. Um, I, I do think it's it's really irresponsible, though, for Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, to come out with this extraordinarily strong statement saying that Kitschuk intentionally tried to injure Shifley, calling it an absolutely disgusting, filthy hit, claiming that he's seen a feed of the video that you know, basically shows that, that Kitschuk kicked him. Um, 
We've not seen that feed anywhere. No. <laughs> like, it's not on Sportsnet. It's not on NBC. It's not been released by the Jets to try to prove what, what Maurice is saying. And it certainly isn't in the hands of the National Hockey League because Kachuk wasn't suspended or disciplined in any way for the play. And you know if there was some sort of Zabruder film showing that, uh, that Matthew Kachuk sliced the, the Achilles of, of Mark Shifley intentionally in Game 1 of a playoff series, the NHL is definitely going to take action on it. Shafley's a star player. Kachuk is not exactly a favorite son of the league. Um, so, you know, the, the fact that he said that and, and didn't have any evidence out there to back it up, I think, was really irresponsible. Greg, let's keep the takes rolling. We had a last-second goal last night, Blues and Avalanche. It was under review for quite some time. It seemed almost too close to call, but in the end, it was called a goal. So what was your take on the way that the NHL and the officials uh, called that goal last night? I think they got it right. I mean, I do think that when the clock ticks to, to triple zeros, the puck is, is clearly in the white inside the crease. It's just one of these things that constantly bugs you, though, that we have to be, you know, we have to constantly do this when we have a, a buzzer beater goal or a goal that's really close to the clock going off or, or things like that, or, you know, when a whistle blows or things like that. First of all, the NHL said they were putting 12 additional cameras inside of every arena during this restart to help capture the game better. Couldn't get a second one pointer at the goal line <laughs> just to kind of like give us a better angle at what's happening down there. And then the other thing, is, and I think this is something that will eventually be remedied when we do get that puck and player tracking technology we've been talking about for years, is the ability to, to try to digitally track the puck and where it is and, and, and figure out, you know, through, through those receivers um, and the location of the puck whether or not the puck crossed the goal line before the, the clock hits zero. I think we're going to get there eventually when that technology is enhanced. Um, we're just not there yet. But I do think that with, with the tools that, that they were given, the referees and uh, the Department of Hockey Operations got the call right because it, it did seem like, um, despite what Craig Ruby said after the game, that, <laughs> that Kadri uh, got that puck across the line before the, the clock hit zeros. Greg, as you mentioned, for these round-robin teams, it is a glorified scrimmage. And from the Blues' standpoint, you've been around them enough, and it's a hockey thing, but the Blues always talk about finding their game and knowing what their game looks like. And it, it, it appeared last night as the game went along that they got closer to finding the, the typical Blues game. Yeah, no, I, I thought they played, they played a, you know, the kind of hockey that you'd want to see at this point in the season from the Blues. Um, they were heavy. <clears throat> they were, uh, you know, pretty solid as far as keeping Colorado's high danger chances. I think in, in check. Bennington looked like he was completely locked in. I don't, I, you know, we call these glorified scrimmages. But I don't think Jordan Bennington has it in his body no. to not take these extraordinarily seriously and want to win and compete in every single thing he does. Um, <clears throat> so there was a lot that you could like. Uh, but again, a long layoff. People still trying to find their skating legs. Um, they're, they're playing a team like Colorado that had a lot of jump, I thought, um, getting everybody back in their lineup for the first time in a long time uh, to a, a draw until the final you know, milliseconds of the game, I think, is, is something you can, you can skate away from being pretty happy about. But what it does, though, obviously, is put the Blues at risk of losing that first overall seed in the Western Conference if, uh, if Colorado wins out. Um, which is, you know, with the, with the benefit of reseeding that we're going to have in the, in the next round uh, does complicate things. You obviously want to go into the next round playing the, the weakest available team, and that's the uh, benefit of getting the first overall seed. 
Greg, a lot of players have been talking about the quality of the ice, having so many games played on the ice, the temperature outside, etc. How big of a factor do you think the quality of the ice might be in some of these bounces that we're seeing in these games? Yeah, it's going to affect teams in different ways. <clears throat> I think for the um, the Boston Bruins yesterday, one of the reasons why their um, their performance was so putrid was that they were trying to overpass. They were trying to get cute with the puck, and the ice wasn't allowing them to do that. I mean, they were trying to complete passes and complete plays that were just going to be very difficult to do when, when the ice isn't, isn't uh, of top quality. I, I will say this. I mean, a, a lot of teams have talked about that. I think there are some things you're not going to be able to avoid, which is if you play three NHL games on, a, on an ice surface throughout the day, that third game is not going to have the best kind of ice. Um, but when it comes to the temperature and things like that, uh, the NHL has the benefit now of trying to control this environment in a way that they usually don't if fans are in the building. So this is a league that has, you know, made ice in the middle of Dodger stadium and places like that. And I, I feel like you give them a little bit of time. They're going to be able to figure out what they need to do to get the ice in better shape. But there are just certain things they are not going to be able to control, like the ice just getting, you know, pounded uh, for, for an entire day until, uh, you know, the final, the final buzzer goes off in the third game they're holding on that surface. Greg, one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on and we were originally wanted to have you on last week is because a couple of weeks ago in your column, you wrote about a jersey error in your uh, <laughs> of a blues fan, a, a woman who had bought her mother a blues jersey customized with Boom Boom for Carl Gunnarsson and the number four, and you deemed it a jersey error. And I just wanted to know if here in St. Louis we could get maybe, if we could not lodge a complaint, but maybe if we could get a further ruling because <laughs> Because when the Blues won game two of the finals last year, Chris Kerber had a legendary call. Boom, boom, Gunnarsson wins it for the Blues. So everybody in St. Louis knows that he is boom, boom because of that. And because of the fact that it is a hometown team and he he had such a big role, he, he won a Stanley Cup final game for them. Does that maybe alleviate some of the, uh, the issues with uh, this being a major jersey error? Now, one of the problems with the Jersey fouls that we do each week in the column on Thursdays is obviously there is, this is an intense course of study. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a piece of scholarship. Many high level universities offer courses on Jersey fouls. So I don't make the rules. Um, The, the thing that you have to remember here is one nickname jerseys are sometimes fraught with, uh, with Jersey foul potential. Um, you know, is it, is it, uh, is it, is it an accepted name? Is it not? It may be an accepted name in this case, but the thing, the problem is from a, from a Jersey style perspective is that boom, boom, obviously is taken. It is taken by, uh, boom, boom, Jeffrey on, he's a hockey hall of famer. Uh, you cannot supersede that nickname. Uh, if you're Carl Gunnarsson, uh, that is an established hockey legend nickname. I cannot, uh, come out and call myself the great one. There is only one great one. So uh, the, the, the Jersey foul rules dictate that maybe you can get an exception on the nickname foul, but uh, the, the, when it comes the hockey legend nickname exception is what makes this unfortunately a Jersey foul, and obviously means that she must unstitch the jersey <laughs> and uh, put Carl Gunnarsson's name on the back. Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair. That's Good. a fair ruling. So I think somebody needs to go out and get an old Brent Gretzky jersey and put good one on it. <laughs> That's perfect. That's completely loud. (laughs) Hey, Greg, we always love your work and we always like having you on the show. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And as these playoffs unfold, I'm sure we'll do it again. 
You got it. Thanks for having me. See you later. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN.com. His work is fantastic, and you will love it. Yeah, when uh, Brent Gretzky was finally called up, actually while he was playing in the minor leagues, they called him the good one. <laughs> Which is not a bad nickname. <laughs> not at all. Uh, coming up, we're going to uh, talk to Danny Mac. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up at the top of the hour on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.